Goa. Hello, children. It is Michael, and Lou's back. Hey, I'm back. I know you've been listening to Cameron the last couple weeks, but Lou has returned, and we will try to be here on a fairly regular schedule. It's going to be a good day. Lou is ready. We have the heat on. I have coffee. Oh, that's important. It's a good day. And it's strong, he tells me. (laughs) Ah, because that sound is not annoying at all. Therefore, I will endeavor to do it as much as humanly possible. (coughs) So, why have we brought you here, you may ask? Well, we've gathered together this week to tell you that if you are your definer, you are in big trouble. (sighs) And that will be made abundantly clear, shoutly, as they would say in the southeastern corner of the United States. So, just a reminder, Lou and I have, by unanimous consent, because you don't get a vote, have switched up our format for this year. So, what we are going to try to do is do the stuff that's really, really important first, which is a short little Bible devotion. Might be related to our topic, might not be related to our topic. Then we have our doctrine of the week. Something that we want to discuss may not be the entirety of the doctrine. It may just be a simple aspect of the doctrine. I think you'll get an example of that today. And then our story of the week, which will relate to our doctrine of the week. The idea behind this is to do a little Bible, do a little theology, and then apply a little of that theology in a, wait for it, wait for it, practical manner. Oh, I get it. Practical theology. See, see, see what I did yeah. there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Say so we are good. So I will be playing with the sound system to make sure you can hear everybody. But <laughs> since this is our new format and our first show of this new year, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Dun, da, da, da. Today's going to be a fun day because this, this devotion relates to our theology of the week, but it also relates to just what time of year it is. It's a new year. New year, new you, or new year, new me, however you want to do that. Hang on a second. Because again, that's not annoying at all. <laughs> so let's think through this. From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Why not? I want to look at people and judge them. Does that make me bad? Yeah. yeah, I'd say that it makes you bad. <laughs> the, they, the look on Lou's face, is that a trick question? Uh, wait yeah, a minute. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, like, well, I, I can't come up with why that would be a good idea, but I mean, maybe there is one. But no, of course that's a terrible idea. We don't recognize those according to the flesh because that is done. You want a good example of this? Read your book of Romans. It will do you good. Chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. And if you don't know any Greek, learn this Greek just because it's fun to say. Meganoita. Meganoita. It's like angry German, but it's Greek, so it's, like, it's fun. It's angry Greek. Yes, it's angry Greek. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Mm. This is why we don't recognize anyone according to the flesh, because in Christ we are dead to the flesh, dead to the lusts, dead to the desires of this world. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, 
Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, back to 2 Corinthians, we know, we now, yet now, we know him in this way no longer. See, what was his point? Was Jesus a man? Absolutely. Yes. He walked the earth, did stuff, talked with people, ate, drank, all the trappings of humanity. You name it, he did it, everybody had a good time, right? Is that Christ's reality right now on this earth? Definitely not. And the answer is no. Therefore, is that how we should be relating to Christ as we relate to other people? Well, there's the resurrection, so we should try to see through those lenses. And there it is. This is your other punchline from the book of Romans. Yeah. If people know one Bible verse from the book of Romans, it's typically what? Well, okay, they probably know two. They know the wages of sin or death, mm-hmm. and then they know what? Be transformed by the renewing, of, the your renewing of your mind. See, catch that. New year, new you. How are you transformed by the renewing of your mind? Renewing your mind on what? Notice Romans 12 starts out with, therefore. Right, therefore what? Therefore the previous 11 chapters of Romans where Paul has laid out the gospel. Therefore the warning against besmirching the gospel from 9 and 10 and 11. The warning against treating salvation lightly. The warning against having false bravado and pride in your own salvation, as Paul warns that the the natural root had. The warnings there now apply to 12. Don't walk in that way. Be transformed. How? By renewing your mind in all of those truths, and then do what? Walk accordingly. New mind, new body, new spirit, new direction. All of these things are important. And Paul didn't come up with this out of thin air. Go back to Jesus' great rundown with Nicodemus. You cannot enter the kingdom unless you are what? Born from above or born again. Born again and born from above. If you're not willing to do that, then we have problems because you do not have the Son. And that's the end of the chapter of John 3. Jesus' right. words end, um, verse what 15, I think, is where Jesus' words end. Yes, I know your Bible read letters it way past that. I think Jesus' speech with Nicodemus ends at 15. Verse 16 starts John's, um, what's the word, exposition on the chapter. But how does John conclude it? If you have the Son, you have life. Right. Don't have the Son? Right. Don't have life. So you want to be new you in 2021, yeah. renew your mind in Christ. Oh, Lou is stewing a thought. Watch out. Yeah, yeah, you could probably tell they're, the little squirrels are I can see the circles. smoke. Yeah. But even even when Christ is talking to Nicodemus, he's not talking about physical flesh and no. blood. No. He's talking about a spiritual reality yes. in, in, in Christ, you know, born from above, and, and, and that's how we should recognize our new life is the spiritual... Uh, formation of 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 this uh, born from above, born from you know God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The whole the whole nine yards, the whole right? Nine yards. The, the the whole three Trinity, however you want to say that. So we don't recognize we know Him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Right. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. See, his, this is your building. Christ has changed me by His work. Therefore, if you have changed me, you will change the direction of my life, the things that I want, the things that I think about, the things that I do. All of how I function moving forward will be new. I mean, this is also Paul's punchline in Ephesians 2, right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now what? You are alive in Christ. Yeah, we're no longer walking according to the world, no longer living according to the lusts of the flesh, 
but we are rich in in His in God's mercy mm-hmm. and in His great love for us, even while we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. Dead, right? dead, dead. Right. So Christ, by grace, you are, have been saved. You know, it, that's that's the that's another very well known passage from from Paul. And and, and, and and when the problem is, we cut it off in this regard. Absolutely. Because what's the punchline of all of that at the very end? Prepared for what? The good works that God has prepared for us to walk in, right? That he prepared in advance for us to walk in. Yes, he has set you apart, not so that you can just sit there and go, oh, now what? Mm-hmm. This, this, this connects. Yeah. We don't recognize anyone according to flesh. Why? Because we are new. We are different. We don't walk in our old ways. Why? Because we are new. We are different. Therefore, we walk in what ways? The ways that God has laid out before us. The ways of righteousness. The paths of holiness. You know, the walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but not being a part of the valley of the shadow of death. That kind of an idea. The persevering towards God's eternal kingdom, forsaking this world, forsaking my sin, forsaking my sinful desires, and being new. Welcome to gospel transformation, Christian. Yeah, I mean, backing up a little bit back to um, to John, you know, it talks about how we had committed sin and that we were slaves to our sin mm-hmm. in the passage that we previously discussed. Um, but God set us free from that. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, the other spiritual and if reality. If you're set free by the Son, you are free indeed. There it is. And and and, and so there there was a price that had to be paid, and Christ paid that price. That's why you walk differently. Right. You are not redeemed with perishable things like gold and silver, First Peter, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. Now. You are all sitting there going, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that part of 2 Corinthians. Everybody knows that part of 2 Corinthians. It's on a tchotchke mug at the local Christian store. Well, we don't actually have local Christian stores anymore, but no. but if you if you still do and you walk in, like at Hobby Lobby or whatever, they've got that. If there's a Bible verse on a mug, it's going to be the, the 2 Corinthians 5.17 or the Romans 8.28. Yeah. Those, those are your right, coffee right, cup right. But the passage continues. Now, all these things are from God. We've covered that. I don't think we have to do a deep dive into that further. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. We've gotten that part too. I think we understand that fully. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, now here's where things get interesting. Part of that work is a continued ministry, isn't it? It's not a just, oh, now what? Well, you just walk by yourself and, you know, and you get to be Lone Ranger Christian walking the plains. No, no, no. You have a ministry of reconciliation that will typically be worked out amongst what group of people? The believers. There it is. Yeah. And by the way, that is going to be our doctrine of the day, the doctrine of ecclesiology, the right. believers, the people, the church. I mean, this is what happens. So for your first point, Christ has rescued us, rescued us, rescued us, rescued, rescued, that too, (laughs) has rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is your Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And again, continuing on, if you go to chapter 2 of Colossians, he, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That certificate of debt, it was due to God alone. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get that mixed no up. No ransom to Satan, people. There you go. That's where I was going with this. A lot of people get that mixed up. Oh, no. 
I'm it, reading it, Lou's mind. It was a debt paid to the father. It was. And this, the wrath of the father is upon sin. It's not the wrath of Satan upon sin. This is why when your unbelieving friends look at you and go, man, I can't wait to get to hell. It's going to be a party. No, Satan doesn't <laughs> run hell. No, God he in doesn't. his righteous judgment run hell, runs hell. You should tremble. That's why James tells you, even the demon, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons believe. And tremble. And they shudder. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Why? Because they know, it's a reminder that they know what's coming and that nothing will forestall it. But notice this, even in the midst of these verses, do you catch the communal aspects already? Absolutely. You're I mean, in a, what of God? You're in a kingdom, kingdom of you're God. transferred into this kingdom. There it is. That connects back to here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because you are given a ministry of reconciliation. Can you be reconciled in a ministry by yourself? No, just like you can't save yourself, just like Paul says. So is Paul, yeah. though, only discussing reconciliation with God? Because no, because we have been reconciled to God through Christ and given a ministry of reconciliation. That sounds an awful lot like I got to go do stuff. It sounds right. an awful lot like there's a, there's a horizontal component to this. I don't get to just sit in my house and listen to podcasts, which, by the way, we appreciate that. I'm not telling you never to do that. I'm just telling you that's not all you get to do. Without communing with fellow believers, without administering or being a part of the administration of the sacraments, without the preaching of the word, without the communion of the saints, without all of these things, I have lessened and cheapened my Christian walk if I have forsaken these things as they are provided to me. I just got. I just have to interject something. I, I, you know, the times and seasons that we're living in right now are are, are very, I, I think, scary for some people. Amen. Um, but if we look at what you just said and and the mission that we have, that is how we are going to both um, help disciple our children, mm-hmm. and then we're going to make a difference in our communities, and we're gonna we're gonna teach the gospel to people in our communities mm-hmm. that's how we overcome darkness in our in our communities we teach it to our children who teach it to their children and and then we make it a point as the church to disciple others in our community so that they can be overcomers just like we're teaching our children this to do is that. how the body works you don't have all the spiritual gifts you're not me <laughs> You gonna start speaking in tongues now? <laughs> la, 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 la. No, no. Oh, no. You don't have all of them. This is why God assembles the community the way that He does. When you forsake the community, you as- you forsake the spirits working, the benefits of discipleship. We- we- conversation we have actually had in our church. We have a um, we have an elderly gentleman who wants to make sure that the-, the kids of our church are are learning and growing and taking care of things. It's stewardship. Right. It's just it's one of the things that's on his mind a lot is is good stewardship, not just financial, but of st- of the stuff that we have. And he told one of the parents, he goes, "I just want to let you know, I kind of fussed at your kids a little bit, so they clean up after themselves." Right. And the dad said the exact right thing. Good. It's good when they hear that from multiple people. Right. See, that's part of the benefit here is it's not just you communicating that truth. It's your friends, your elders in church. It's everybody you run across communicating that truth, not just to your children, but also to you. Right. Who lies to you the most? Well, you do. You do. Right. So who do you doubt the most? See, now you start having those arguments in the shower where you're like, no, no, I believe me, except when I don't, except when I do, but maybe I shouldn't. Ah! You know what you need? Lewis you guys should be here to see this. There's faces, and, and you're, you're, you're blessed that you don't have to see them. But hang on. Excuse me. Lordy. 
But the advantage of the community of faith is that you know who backs up my good doctrine? My fellow believers. So when I'm arguing with myself in the shower, I can go, no, no, it's not just me. They agree with me. And and now you shut up. And then you realize you're telling yourself to shut up. And always remember, it is okay to talk to yourself. You're kind of preaching yourself the gospel, right? But it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't lose the argument. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There you go. But no, that's part of what you need to do. You need to be reminded that Christ has overcome, that you are renewed in him, that Mm -hmm. you have been cleansed by him, and that you are walking faithfully. You need to be reminding yourself of this. And part of that is knowing what you what has been accomplished by God and what what path you have been set forward to on sanctification. This is all vital truth. And yes, you do need to be reminded of this, not just by you, but by others who encourage you to remind you if that's a thing. And if it's not a thing, it should be. Right. And I'm pointing at you. Right. I am directly at you. So this, this ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Oh boy, that just got deep, didn't it? Yeah. So what is the means by which the Holy Spirit changed the hearts and minds of men? Word of God, um, through prophets and... Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the words of... God. God, or by Christ, depending on your translation, which which year you're looking at. But ultimately, it's the scripture. The scripture. But who proclaims the scripture? See? Believers, right. this is your job. You don't just proclaim it to you. You proclaim it to your friends, your neighbors. This is this is your testimony time. This is why I tell people, look, I, I don't have a good testimony. Obviously, you're a human being. None of us have a good testimony. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about perfecting it. You know what you should worry about? Proclaiming the truth of God and his saving power. I mean, if, if you want nothing else, learn Psalm 2. Yeah. Learn Psalm 2. It's a warning that the people of the world conspire against their king who is God. Mm-hmm. And he mocks them and laughs at them he because his, his king is already established. Yep. And so while they're assembling their, their works to, to war against God, he's already established his king. And the warning at the end is this. Do homage to the son and deal with him because the wrath of God will be kindled. See, there's a gospel stepping point right there. Look, you war against him every day and yet mm-hmm. judgment is coming. But until there is a judgment, there is yet a time of grace where you may turn, where you may do homage to the Son, where you may be saved and the wrath of God averted from you. See, this is simple. So there you go. You want an outline? Go read Psalm 2 and just be like, look, look, let me explain this to you and see what this is. And mm-hmm. it's the gospel in a nutshell. Isn't it amazing how that's in the Old Testament? It's, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere in our scriptures. So there you go. Yeah. This is what we do. This is how we function. This is, this is your, co- your, uh, your special keypad for New Year, New You. New in Christ, new journey, new paths, new mind, new desires, new dedication, all of these things, and they're ministered through the community of faith because you are a part of the community of faith because, you know what, get used to these people. That crazy dude in church you don't like is going to be in the kingdom forever. Forever. Right. That lady who (laughs) sings out of tune is going to be singing out of tune for eternity. Oh, there's something to look forward to. See, there you go. Jesus. It's like, go go look up the Bob Dylan Christmas album. Someone will be singing like that. And yes, oh, that's a thing. Goodness. Bob I Dylan did Bob a Christmas. Dylan. Jesus, lover of my soul. And he actually he actually did a Christmas album. Yeah. Sounds like somebody's strangling the Crypt Keeper from HBO. It's something. There's a mental image you're never going to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there you go. All right. 
I told you that story to tell you this story. I mentioned ecclesiology as our doctrine of the week. This is important. What's the church at its base level? Like, what, 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 what's the ecclesia at its most basic? Well, it's not the building. No. No. See, pre-Pauline, what's the ecclesia? people of God. It's the people. Yeah. You want, to, you want proof of this? First Peter 2. You're a chosen race, a royal, priest, a royal priesthood, if I could speak English, <laughs> uh, a holy, holy nation. nation, a people for God's own possession. possession. You why? are the church. Why? But why, why is that all important? Oh, oh, so that we can proclaim uh, the praise of God. Who's of me? Lou's so excited, he yeah. can't even stand there. Like, it goes together, all it of it. Together. Like, we knew what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle, it's and it's not miracle. even Christmas. No, but <laughs> yeah. This connects everything we were just covered in first and second, second Corinthians, also in Colossians, and also in Romans. It's here in First Peter, so it's not just that Paul dude, it's that Petrine dude as well. Mm-hmm. So, same idea. You are set apart by God. Now, again, are you set apart by God unto yourself? Yes and no. Meaning, did you need other people so that you may be saved? No. God didn't have to put you in a group and then save you. You were saved as an individual, but you were not saved to be an individual. You were given, 1 Corinthians 12, spiritual gifts for the benefiting of the body. You may be a toenail on the pinky toe, but I had a a friend of mine who actually broke his pinky toe. He said it's the worst pain he's ever experienced. And that man has had his gallbladder removed because he had a gallbladder attack and passed out. He said, he, said was it was less, worse, he was less painful than having his pinky toe broken. Oh. He's like, you can't walk without your pinky toe. That's I true. didn't know this. Or the big toe. I did not know this, though. He broke his pinky toe on one foot. He's like, I can't walk. And they can't do anything for it because can't, you can't splint it. You can't set it. You just, <laughs> it's just got to heal. And he's like, for, for like two weeks, it was, he, he, people thought he was crippled. Oh, my. I'm like, how does that happen? It's necessary for balance. Apparently, you put pressure and weight on your pinky toe. So if you are the toenail of the pinky toe and you are ingrown, you are messing up the kingdom. See how that works? Church can't, can't <laughs> walk without its pinky toe. It doesn't function. See, there are no... <laughs> you want... Hang on. If you want good, big music, there's a, there's a great song that I'll have to get my wife to sing at some point called Orphans of God. And the, the punchline is there aren't any. Right. There's none. Uh-huh. There's none forgotten by him. And in his kingdom, in his church, there are none forgotten and there are no useless jobs. If you've been given the Holy Spirit, you've been given a task, a mission, a job, and a gifting to perform those things. <coughs> and you cannot forsake them because if you do, you are forsaking your kingdom aspect. And again, because you are not given all of the gifts and no one is, when you are forsaking part of your working, the kingdom is not functioning the way that God has designed it to function. Does that mean it will fail? No. But does that mean it is operating optimally? No. Does that mean that there are blessings that will not be given? Yes. Does that mean that there are tragedies that may befall the people of God? Yes. Because we are not functioning rightly. So yes, you're set apart. Chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. And again, that proclamation, 
understand this when we're talking about the proclamation of the gospel and we're talking about the proclamation of the goodness of God. We are not merely talking about evangelism. Please hear me when I say that. Discipleship of yourself, your spouse, your children, your nieces and nephews, your siblings, your friends, neighbors, and coworkers, that crazy person that sits next to you in Sunday school class, all of those things are proclamations of his excellencies. They are the building up of the body. They are the casting out of the darkness. They are the strengthening of the people of God. This is not tackle some random person on the subway and be like, do you know about Jesus? This is building and making disciples. Now, if you want to tackle somebody on the subway and ask them that, go for it. Yeah. I'm not telling you Radical not to do discipleship, that. discipleship, man. Go for it. You want to be the evangelism linebacker? That was a commercial back in the day. I love it. Um, uh, what's his name? I, I've hit. met that guy, Erwin Gray. Really? He was a safety for the Annapolis Colts and the Carolina <laughs> Panthers, and he's a pastor of a church in Charlotte, I think, still. Just get tackled out of nowhere. Yeah, and so yeah, he did a series of commercials, because remember they had those Super Bowl commercials where the guy was tackling you and giving you a beer mm-hmm. or something? But he was doing the um, the evangelism linebacker commercials, <laughs> and he was tackling people to evangelize them. <laughs> yeah, so go look them up on YouTube. You'll find them. They're funny. It's worth it. But this, if you want to go down that route, go for it. Just be good at it and, and be the size of Terry Crews. It'll probably help. But otherwise, strengthening yourself, walking faithfully, mm-hmm. doing the things God has gifted and therefore called you to do is proclaiming his excellencies. It is walking rightly. See, we, we think like if we're not doing the Billy Graham Ray comfort thing that we're failing. No. If you are leading your family and discipling your children and loving God and partaking of communion and going to church and studying the word and encouraging the brethren and praying for the lost and praying for the fellow saints and, and praying for old Gertrude who's got you know the bursitis acting up again. And If you're doing all of those things, you are faithfully proclaiming the excellencies of him who has called you. And none of this is new. No. This goes all the way back to Mount Sinai, even even when you read through Genesis, the proclamation, you know, how Noah found grace in the sight of God, be- and he was a preacher yes. of, the, of the good news in his time. Nobody listened to him, but... Now, with this in mind, we know these things, right. but we need to be reminded of them. Right. So question, what does the church do? And I think we've laid out a lot of it. Well, we're talking about discipleship. Yes. Right. Now, again, can discipleship be done in a vacuum? I don't think it could be done in a vacuum. It has to be done in a community. It absolutely Yeah. And should that community be predominantly believing or unbelieving? Well, kind of both. I mean, when you... Okay, so you're, you're proclaiming the gospel. Somebody says, tell me more. That's part of the unbelieving, and you should be. Right. But the majority of your Christian walk, should it be spent in an unbelieving world or a believing context? Well, believing context. And see, and this is yeah. where this is where I'm weird and lose like, okay, I see where you're going now. This is where I'm weird, and I think you are too, in that when I tell you, you that I'm not telling you not to evangelize. I'm not. But if you think that the Christian life is the Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, Ray Comfort life, that's not it either. Right. The majority of Christian working and walking should be a majority work done amongst the believing people. That's if crucial. It's, if it's not, you have missed it, right. and two, you are in danger. Right. Because what is renewing you? And if you're saying, well, it's me and the Holy Spirit, awesome. The Holy Spirit uses means, day in and day out. Preaching of the Word, 
prayer of the saints, taking of the supper, encouragement of the brethren, all of these things. I mean, go through your Bible. When, this, when the church is mentioned, here's your fun trivia. Where's the first place in the New Testament that church is mentioned? We'll ask Lou this one. We'll put Lou on the spot. That the church is mentioned. That it, church. Yes, church, the church. about the stoning of Stephen? <clears throat> nope, you're too late. It's before that. Well, well, yeah, Christ says... There it is! The church will be built on him. It's going to be built on the confession of faith. Right. And then he later says what? What's one of the things you're going to do in the church? You're going to discipline the brethren. Right, right. It is in the context of discipline, church discipline. Right. Because the statement of faith is chapter 16, and yeah. then church discipline is chapter 18. Yet Jesus mentions his church, and he mentions that you're going to do what? It's going to be built on the foundation of Christ and the, and the proclamation of who he is, mm-hmm. the confession of who he is. Keep that in mind. It's not the public proclamation. It is the confession of the gathered believers right, is right. going to be his cornerstone. And then immediately, the next time it's mentioned is what? Hey, you know that guy who's not following the confession? Get rid of him and go, go proselytize him as quickly as possible. They work together. They worship. Right. And you're talking about if somebody is is falling down mm-hmm. and you go to him. You go to him. And if he doesn't take your word for it, if he doesn't accept correction, you bring a brother with you. If he doesn't listen and, to that. And then you bring him to the church. And, and if then he you does, whack him with a bigger Bible. Right. And then then he's, <laughs> you're right, right. Yeah, but right. that's, this is the beginning. So one of the things we have to do is we have to safeguard doctrine, believe but it or not. this is in the context of believers. It is. One. But catch this. From the very beginning, Jesus is warning them to do what? Safeguard doctrine. Right. I can't safeguard doctrine if I haven't defined doctrine amongst the community of faith, which again is the confession in chapter 16 of Matthew, which means though also that the people are regularly gathering to know what your confession is, to know if you're walking askance. If you are not gathering with the believers at any point, it's just me and the Holy Spirit, who's checking on you? Right. Who's guarding you? Who's the check in the balance? Who, who's the one who makes sure you win the argument in the shower? <laughs> See, all of these things come full circle. <laughs> these voices. <laughs> yes. Four out of the five voices in my head say, go back to sleep. Yeah. So, church does that. John 13, the church does what? It loves. It right. proclaims. It demonstrates by all of these things. But again, the primary context of the Christian life is lived where? Not in the unbelieving world, but in a believing world. Right. Well, it, it, it's, it's emphasizing the second great commandment, mm-hmm. commandment that God, that Christ gave when he was asked, what's the greatest? The Shema, you know, hero mm-hmm. Israel. The second is like it, but love your neighbor, love as, yourself. Your neighbor as yourself. And that's how people will be able to tell that you're a follower of Christ is by the way we love one another. And, of course, the question gets asked, who's my neighbor? And the answer is anybody. anybody. But notice my favorite, one of my favorite verses that people like to run to is Matthew 25. Because they're like, oh, it's, that's the, the sheep and the goats and what, what made them different. When the goats saw Jesus starving and naked and in prison, they didn't do anything about it. And when the sheep saw him starving and naked and in prison, they did something about it. And they both asked, well, when did we see that? Every time you did it to the least of my brethren. Ah, what word gets left out in there? How do we always call that? We call it the least of these. The least of these. Who are these? These brethren of mine. Jesus has already told you earlier in his gospel, who are his mother and his brothers? Anybody who does the will of God. Bing! You've done unto the least of these brethren of mine. Your primary, catch this, your primary work as a Christian is going to be done amongst a believing context, not an unbelieving one. And your primary work is that of disciple building and disciple making, which is really the same thing. Your primary work is discipleship and sanctification, not evangelism and conversion. 
you can't do conversion, first of all, the Holy Spirit does. But your primary work as a Christian is that of building up the brethren. Right. Praying for old Gertrude and the Bursitis. Praying for, you know, whatever his name. And how do you know about these problems? Well, they have to come and tell you. Yeah, about that, right? and you have to be somewhere and where you, you can hear about them for other than other. Facebook. Right. Right. You have to be somewhere well, to hear about them other than Facebook. Right, right. Get me started the scourge of all existence. Yeah, you can be started on Facebook. <laughs> I am Mark Zuckerberg. You will use my platform. <laughs> Sorry. Robots. I mean, it makes you wonder what people did before all of this social media nonsense. Uh, I, I, I know what we did before that. It, it's a terrifying thought. Yeah, we talked to each I other. See, and it's, it's horrifying, isn't it? Right. There's no anonymity. Yeah, like you know. vampires with the sunlight. I mean, you, you can almost say whatever you want on social media, and there's just, you know. It's one of my favorite memes that I keep seeing running around is it's like these uh, it's like these two kids getting ready to get in a fight, and it mm-hmm. goes, social media has made, has made way too many of you way too comfortable talking garbage without getting punched in the nose for it mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like i remember growing up with people and like you watch what you say because if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person right. you were gonna have to defend it right and that didn't mean you had your you broke out your rhetorical swords it, it meant you either had to outrun them or outfight them right and this idea that i just say what i want oh you call me a mean name i don't want to talk well, to there you are consequences yeah yep. i mean you don't get to it's one of the rules of life you don't get to speak to me like that I mean, I teach my children this. If you think you're going to talk to me like that, you're going to deal with repercussions. You don't get to talk to me that way. You get the back of my hand. Yeah, not without (laughs) defending yourself. I mean, that's not how this works. I mean, I I grew up with a bully. I understand what it's like. And yeah, no, you don't get to do that and just get away with it. But on social media, you do. Because that's the brokenness of humanity. Because what is it doing? It segments. It breaks up the community. And it takes the called out ones, the ecclesia, and it separates them. Church is about saying, no, 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 no. Get out of the muck and the mire that is the world. Climb out of the slew of despair, as John Bunyan would put it, and get back on the king's highway. Here is where we guard. Here is where we purify. Here is where we direct and we encourage and we prepare so that as we encounter the things of this world, we are ready and able and willing and capable of dismantling the world's arguments. And that's key, because if we do not have that, we will misdefine who we are, we will lose the argument in the shower, and we will misunderstand my ministry and my work in a wrong direction. Right, and, and, and how can we be the called out ones, the overcomers, if, if we're not doing this step, if we're not discipling, we will not overcome anything. So like you said, that means you won't win that argument in the shower with yourself. <laughs> and that's lose like I, I got to start arguing with myself in the shower more. <laughs> <laughs> I got to come up with some more ideas. <laughs> All right, I tell you that story, or we tell you that story to tell you this story, our story of the week, and it comes from a magazine that was it Relevant Magazine, which if Relevant Magazine ever calls me, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> to do an interview, just smack me, okay? Because something has gone terribly wrong something in our lives. Like, yeah. If Relevant Magazine thinks that they should be calling me for ministry, let me give them a call. Yeah, yeah. See, I got a guy. Yeah, I know somebody. <laughs> I know a guy. All right, they interviewed Rick Warren. And this was the question, or one of the questions. Why do you think COVID has been such a contentious issue for the church in the United States? Ooh, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me. Now, you ready for this answer? You're going to love this. Yeah, I, I, when I read this, I just had to shake my head. I was like, whoa. COVID revealed a fundamental weakness in the church. Most churches only have one purpose, worship. Mm-hmm. 
And if you take worship away, you've got nothing. They're in a hurry to get back to worship because that's all they've got. All right. First of all, that's not all they have. It's Second not. of all, it is kind of the thing they're supposed to be doing. Worship entails all of the work of the ecclesia amongst the community of faith and amongst the body of believers. Yeah, we've kind of lost touch with that. The community, the, uh, the discipleship and, and what that means and the way of life that living in the community, of being called out by God, being told that you're going to be my example the way that you guys live in community is going to show other people that are looking how this there is works. a God. Yes. There is a God in heaven, and he has spoken and given you these wonderful things to walk in, these works that he prepared in advance mm-hmm. for us to walk in. And again, they are primary to, primarily to be exercised amongst the body of believers, the faithful community, not the unfaithful community. Right. So Rick Warren continues. Right, right, right. Saddleback is built not on one purpose, but on five. You better be built on five purposes if you are the purpose-driven church, just Mm. saying. Mm. You take one circle out, we've still got four other circles. We've got ministry going on. We've got mission going on. We've got fellowship going on. We've got discipleship going on. Those all stand on their own. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to give examples. Like, you know, one of the people lost their jobs and didn't have money, so they started a food bank. Awesome. That's not the ministry of the ecclesia. That may be a good work to your community. That may be a ministry of the individuals. Mm -hmm. That's not the function of the ecclesia. That's not discipleship. That's charity. Now, should Christians be the charity people? Yes. Yes. Throughout history, barring portions of the Middle Ages, the more money you gave to Christian organizations, the more charity they did. I say outside of the Middle Ages because I think you have a lot of corruption in the in the uh, upper class hierarchy of Christian churches, and that's one of the things that d- uh, distinguished the reforming churches, not just the reformers like Luther, but throughout the Middle Ages. What distinguished the faithful reforming churches from the from the hierarchical churches was their ministry. Mm-hmm. The more money you gave to Nicholas, the more money he gave away. Mm-hmm. The more money Jan Hus's church had, the more ministry he did. The more money Wycliffe had, the more ministry he did. The more Lollards he sent out. The less buildings they built, the more ministry was accomplished. That's been true of Christians throughout history. You give us more money, we do more good stuff with it. Yeah. Because we are the loving, giving, caring people. Why? Because we love. Why? Because we have been loved. But that's not the function of the ecclesia. Uh Uh-oh, the door just opened. We have people sneaking in on us. Who is it? I have no idea. Oh, now I do. Okay, it's all right. We're not under attack. It's okay. We're safe. Oh, funny. (laughs) It's some of the children's. We got a Bible study shortly, and we're we're all right. Um, So if you want to run a food bank, great. I have actually fought this fight before. I was part of a church. I was pastoring a church. I wanted to start a food bank. I said, that's great. But can we not lie and call it evangelism? Well, we pray with the people when we come in. That's awesome. Can we not lie and call it evangelism? It's just a good work. It's not an evangelistic work. It's just doing a good work and doing something good for some people. That's fine. But it's not evangelism. And it doesn't count as discipleship and it doesn't excuse you from the work of the ecclesia. So if all your work at that food bank pulls you away from the work of disciple making, encouraging the brethren, mm-hmm. engaging in prayer and all of those other things, you know what it needs to do? It needs to, it needs go, to away. go away. Yeah. Absolutely needs to go away. Now, as an individual, should you engage in those things? Yes. 
as, as, as an individual in church, you say, hey, I'm doing this great thing, and here's the things that I think we can accomplish through it, and I would love people to be involved in it. Yes. Can the church give money to it? Yes. Can the church sure. participate in it? Yes. But let's not lie and say, this is our ministry. No. It's a good work, and that's awesome. But when you say we don't have to come together as the people of God to do the work of God, you're lying. Well, that should be paramount. <laughs> Coming together, doing the work of God. The Great Commission. And if you are coming together right. as the people of God to do the work of God, you know what you are? You're doing the work of the church, mm -hmm. and you're functioning, and you're getting set up. So what you're saying is, what Rick Warren is really saying is that his church, Saddleback, is not actually the church, but all of those little groups that gather together to encourage one another and strengthen one another and accomplish these things, they are the actual church, which if you really make, twist my arm about it, I would tell you that's true of every mega church. The right. gathering of 17,000 people on Sunday morning is not their gathering of church. Their gathering of church is when they meet together on a random Small Tuesday groups. night at somebody's home with 10 or 12 people. That's their church. That's who they know. That's who they encourage. That's who they disciple. That's who they pray for. It's not that hoopty show they do on Sunday morning. That's just a performance. Right. And I think this quote reveals that. It doesn't reveal a weakness in the American church. It reveals a weakness in Rick Warren's church. It reveals a weakness in the purpose-driven church and that what they're saying is when we gather for quote-unquote church, we're not actually doing any church. We're just doing stuff. And the real church work occurs when we kick you out and you gather together in your groups of believers and do things. That's sad and terrifying because it's broken. Right. So in that case, what you're saying is we're not a church. We're however many thousands of churches that have gotten together. Now, again, do I fault these people for doing this good work? No. no. no Am I telling them they shouldn't have done it? No. Yeah. But don't tell me that this is the work of the church. No. The work of the church is the work of the brethren. The work of the brethren is the ministry of the word, discipleship, yeah. building up of one another, the ministry of prayer, the ministry of the table, all of these things. That's the ministry of the brethren. Everything else is an excuse to get to that. But if we forsake the gathering, we forsake those ministries, we forsake the community, we've lost everything. Not some things. Right. Everything. So, have we missed something? I don't think so. Are we good? Yes. All right, so what have we learned today, children? All things are defined by God. Not by you, by him. Churches have their beginnings in who? Christ, Christ. and Christ alone. And we, don't, we do not get to pick and choose what our churches look like. God defines them, God ordains them, and God strengthens them and gifts them, not you. Never, ever you. So, questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. Go to that website. You can find links to some resources, including, oh, I'm going to say this out loud again. We did a thing, or at least I finally got enough gumption to do a thing. So you can, on our website, get a link to an Amazon page for the Sermon on the Mount. A Practical Look at the Greatest Sermon Ever Preached, a book by me. Hi, that's me. Um, it's a quick little walkthrough, walking through the Sermon on the Mount, giving you application, making you read your Bible. I know I'm a terrible person. I want you to read your Bible. It's helpful. So you can pick that up. Uh, leave it a good review. I'd appreciate it. If you don't like it, don't leave it a review. I wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> um, if you want, when we do our story of the week, if you've got a story you want to send it to us, you can send it, info at practicaltheologyministries.com. You can link it to us on Twitter. You can find us there from the website. You can link, send it to us on Facebook. You can find that on the website, practicaltheologyministries.com. Send us something. If we like it, even if we don't like it, we'll probably look at it and see if we can come up with something. If you have a question about a doctrine, send that in. We'll be glad to answer it and make a whole show about it because that's what we do. Yes. All right. 
Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.